All right, Dan, we're live. I'm going to tell you the date. It's March 16th, 2023. I'm broadcasting live from my parents' house, my old bedroom. I've got Bobby behind me. <laughs> and on the right, I think it's right. my right shoulder is a Young Legends trophy that, uh, you know, back, I think that's from like 2008. The reason why I'm sharing all this, though, is I just came from the rink. The boards are done. The benches are up. It's like a historical day. So um are you going to be coming down to see it potentially this weekend me i'm coming down tomorrow yeah so um you know my kids have saint patrick's day off so we're going to go down there um for the day or for the night or whatever so yeah that's my plan is to check out the rink tomorrow awesome it's uh it's it's really it's i i can't describe how much of a a thrill, a joy. I think I'm at a loss for words to how special it is to get this project where we are. Um, and we're excited to be putting the surface in. So I'm, I'm really excited. I, I can't wait for you to see it. it. It's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's a special place. Um, the other thing I wanted to follow up from the last podcast with Beth and, Anne, you know, there was some conversations about through text about the, uh, the, uh, pro beach inline hockey, which, we actually put on the Facebook page. I just want to say thank you to Corey and uh, Cor um, Corey Hersk and, and Beth. Beth texted me first with this video of the pro beach hockey. So I'm like, I knew I wasn't crazy for one. <laughs> and I really did watch this on ESPN two. And um, the ramp is in there. And then the next day, Corey texted me and he said, Hey, listen, I sent this to Beth. And it was this. It was that pro beat. So thank you to both of them. Oh, wow. they, they did. They did. So <laughs> I don't know who found it first. I don't know if Corey found it first or Beth found it first. But either way, like I said, I I felt, you know, I'm like I knew I watched this. So to follow up on this, another thought came into my my mind about inline, and it was on ESPN. It was called the Roller. I have to look up my computer. Roller Hockey International. It was a real league. And our friends from Detroit, I'm going to ask you if you've heard of this league. <laughs> this league. So um, what they did is they had – it was back in the 90s, 93 to 99 or something along this line. And they had, a, they had their cup, which was called the Murphy's Cup. Yes. <laughs> and I remember, I remember watching that as well on ESPN. So um, inline hockey has sort of a, a – you know, obviously with we're, we're more in the ball hockey realm, but um, – I just remember staying up late watching these games and like feeling, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So anyway, I just wanted to, uh, sign to keep going on that, um, on that inline spiel. But, uh, <laughs> they used to play I, on the other side of town. Did they really? That, yeah. They, it's now a place that's closed, but they used to play. It was a big deal. Big stadium. Actually, uh, I actually covered Roman Hockey International in the first two seasons. There you go. Okay. So it's a the real. The and the Anaheim Bullfrogs. And I have a story here actually about the finals against uh, Florida. So I think it was Orlando. Okay. That yeah. might be on YouTube, by the way. Equipment manager, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that because I, I've, like, back in the 90s, I, you know, I played a lot of ice. Everybody knows this now. But roller hockey, ice, I mean, if you ever saw the, the road that Danny and I grew up on, it's like a hill. And we would skate up and down roller I or I would. I don't know if you did that a lot, Danny, but I did. Because there was no roller rink in Gloucester, there was no, you know, like like there is now. But um, yeah, it's it was. I used to love watching that stuff, and I'm like, if I never make the NHL, maybe 
<laughs> RHI, here I come, but it, it, it's no longer existent. So, Robert, um, Robert Picard, who used to play for the Red Wings in St. Louis and um, Quebec, started the league here. Awesome. Awesome. It, it, it was cool. Like I said, ESPN did broadcast it. You can see some clips on YouTube. Um, but anyway, other than that, Dan, how's it, how's it going? I haven't even checked in with you yet. Yeah, it's going well. Uh, it was funny, you know, talking about how you played a lot of ice hockey. I was talking to my neighbors the other day because, you know, shout out to the Bruins Academy program, basically uh, signed up my girls for the girls learn to play ice hockey, which they provide all the equipment for. I believe they do it for boys as well, but at least right now they're doing it for girls age, you know, five to 10 years old. And you basically pay for the um, ice time and the certified Bruins coaches, but it's all throughout uh, Massachusetts. And then they provide the retail value of, all equipment, sticks, gloves, uh, skates, bag, water bottle even. So uh, ship it right to the house. And it was great. And basically the reason I bring it up is because I was talking to two of my neighbors, you know, at the bus stop about, you know, they're even doing it at, they're doing it out of hockey town. And like, they just looked at me like I had three heads. Like, why would we know what hockey town is? And I'm right, like, right, why yeah. wouldn't you? <laughs> if you know hockey, you've been to, to hockey town. So absolutely rings with, and things like that with the man, cement walls that. right we have the <laughs> cement walls for for boards on that one side on full size of those rinks yeah so uh yeah i was impressed dan sent me a picture where you know the girls are already gowned up in the in the in the basement they but um they've got the pads on they're all gown i mean i remember my first time walking around the yard with uh, around the house with all my gear on two skates and everything you know walking around the carpet so that's an exciting yeah. day for him you know yeah, definitely. I'm just looking at the Bruins practice jersey. I'm like, I wish I had one of those now, <laughs> let alone as a kid. Right, right. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to you seeing the rink, though. Uh, you know, I know you haven't been there fully yet, so it'll be good um, for you to see it. So today, everybody, we have a special guest from Detroit. Um, and it was really kind of cool because they reached out to me directly, which is always preferred. Um, uh, and they're going to fill us in today on what's going on in Detroit. We're going to talk a lot about ball hockey, what they're trying to accomplish, give them the support that they need. Um, so we have Lisa Lakin and Michael. Michael, tell sorry, me your last name. Sorry, sorry. So they have supposed to be sorry. So. <laughs> so I'm just going to call you Sarge for today that's because nice. that's that's, that's so what everybody does. Yeah. So, um, but. I've had a chance to talk to Lisa uh, on the phone. It's a joy to talk to. We've kind of connected or connected you guys with USA Ball Hockey a little bit. And um, a quick side story with Lisa is we were both driving. The Detroit Red Wings were playing the Bruins here, and they, they went back-to-back -back last weekend. The Bruins won the first one, then Detroit beat them. But Lisa's comment was, I'm going to make you into a Detroit fan, which just made me chuckle inside because I don't know if I could ever, <laughs> if I could ever like the, I, I, I respect the wings, but I'm not, I, you know. Um, she tried to make me one, but yeah. <laughs> you always get my favorite player from the Bruins. Who's Bobby that? Bobby Orr. Yeah, which is, he's yep. actually up behind me right now, which is random but that's actually going to my house at some point but but anyway thank you guys so much for for joining us we appreciate having you really um so tell us a little bit about you know how you got into the game a little bit and what's going on in detroit and let's just start there well i mean me personally i got into the game in uh i think it was like 92 uh there was a outdoor league in uh garden grove california orange county um I was watching the Kings uh, broadcast and they had a segment on it. 
Wow. And uh, so basically, like, uh, you know, they exploded from like 30 teams to 100 teams after that segment. So it was like, uh, at one point, there were like 120 teams across two rings. Uh, at first, it was just weekends only, and then uh, they were able to get the, the uh, lights going. So it was basically like, you know, uh, seven days a week. You had like three games in the weeknights, and then you had like, you know, your basically your weekend was from morning all the way to like 10, uh, 10 p.m. Uh, so, you know, that's how I started. You know, I played there for a while. I think I was done playing there like around 99. And then I just got like crazy playing on and off, on and off. And then I started playing again yeah, here. I moved here in 2013 uh, to Michigan. Uh, tried looking for like ball hockey, really, you know, wasn't much there. So I kind of like, you know, put that off. And then like in 18, I decided to like, you know, I want to I wanna, you know, play ball hockey again. So I found uh, this recreational league and started playing. I've basically been playing ever since. And um, now I'm going to be taking over one of their days, which is on Thursdays. Uh, in between all that, uh, I partnered up with uh, Empower Play, and we're going to be doing a facility here. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, that's where that stands. The you know, funny thing you mentioned about Roller Hockey International, the inaugural season, uh, the finals were between Anaheim Bullfrogs and I think uh, Orlando something there. I, I just can't recall what the name was. I, no, I think Orlando Solar Bears were uh, uh, IHL team. But whichever team they played was an Orlando team. Whatever their name was, I, I just can't recall. There's a Tampa Bay Tritons. Well, whoever Bullfrogs played in the finals uh, that year, that was the inaugural uh, season. Okay. I know we were in Florida, but like I said, you know, some, some, some things are hazy. <laughs> so I was, yeah. That's I was quite confident. all right. So they lose in the finals. Yeah, and uh, their equipment manager, I forgot his name. Uh, basically, they kind of like got drunk from their sorrows in the locker room. So the equipment <laughs> manager goes into one of the uh, public bathrooms, and it's like I mean everybody's gone already, and literally just rips out like five or six toilets. Really? The corner. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, needless to say, like the facility wasn't happy. Uh, basically, the uh, uh, Bullfrog's owner intervened, and he said that he was going to cover all the expenses, so they didn't, you know, go beyond there. But it was just like, you know, and he doesn't remember doing it. <laughs> See, so it was a good time, huh? It must have been a good time, Josh. Really, I I did look it up. It, or, there's an Orlando Jackals that won the Murphy Cup in '96. Does that, that sound was, that was it. That that was right? It. Okay. All right. Um, there was a Buffalo Stampede. It looked like they were the first. There was a Montreal Roadrunners, New Jersey Rock and Rollers, and then uh, the St. Louis Buffalo Vipers. Buffalo Stampede, what year did they win? Stampede was 94. Really? It was that early? I, I guess I didn't start covering until like 96. Well, I apologize. Yeah, they were Eastern Conference, and then it has a abbreviation that says one cup. So... This is Wikipedia. I don't know how reliable Wikipedia is, you know. Yeah, I yeah, just remember this thing. It was like uh, <laughs> the the ninety six was. Well, it was the inaugural season. I just distinctly remember it was Anaheim against the Florida team because Anaheim beat the LA Blades, which were coached by Bobby Hall Jr. Okay. Yeah, at uh, you know uh, in the semis. Got that, it. That same season, yeah. There's so maybe a, it wasn't an annual season, but I'm pretty sure it was. But you know, my my my, you know, I could be um, off on that because I think it was like um, I'm thinking for some reason '95. '95. 
But like I said, I could be. I, I, I could be wrong. Ninety-five. San Jose defeats San Jose Rhinos defeat Montreal Roadrunners. No, definitely not. I mean, that was the the the, the Anaheim um, Bullfrogs. Uh, Anaheim was uh, ninety-six. That was ninety-six. Then it was ninety-six. Yeah. It's been a while, so I the ninety, and then they. It looks like they won it in ninety-seven, the Murphy Cup. So, I, like you said, I I pulled this up as as yeah, my yeah, curiosity. Yeah. So, because again, it, you know, when I when when we did the podcast with with Beth and Ann, they looked at me with like, this guy is so crazy. When I described the the ramp <laughs> that was out in California that these guys would skate up. So, um, like you said, well, wasn't that league initially started by uh, Chris McSurley? I have no <laughs> idea who it was. Yeah, in uh, yeah, in like so uh, late nineties. He basically, that was the league that he began. It was like 98, 99 with the ramp and everything else. Yeah, that was yeah. League. Okay, yeah, it was, it was fun to watch. He was, uh, at that time, he was still coaching the uh, uh, Las Vegas Thunder of the IHL. I wouldn't know that, yeah. So, I mean, you know more about it than I do because, like I said, I was a young kid. I was probably 10 years old watching that Pro Beach at late at night because it was, like I said, West Coast time. It was probably like 11. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, up that late. But, <laughs> you know, I wonder what the ratings were on that too. I mean, but uh, it was it was fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun to watch for sure. So um, that's how he got in it. So, uh, and, and Lisa, how did you get into the game a little bit? Through Michael. Through Michael. Because I played ice hockey, and I played a little, you know, I, in college, we didn't have ice. I played floor hockey, but I remember, like, we were talking one day, and he goes, hey, do you want to work on with me on this project? And I said, sure, why not? It's awesome. And you played soccer in college? Yes. Okay. I played right. varsity then, and then we were allowed to play, like, an intramural sport, but we, and that was, floor, you know, floor hockey. Yeah, that's awesome. And and when it comes to Detroit, I mean, I, I had mentioned this uh, sorry, to, to Lisa when we chatted. We talked a lot about my dad and I went to a summer tournament in Toronto, and that's when I saw Little Caesars play, the, the, their select team. I, I can't recall if we played them or I watched them play, but, like, we had we had heard so much about Little Caesars, Little Caesars, the, the team there. Um, and Toronto was an awesome tournament. That was some of the best hockey players I played with. Actually, Jason Spezza played on the Toronto Marlboros that we were that we were playing. We got a butt kick, but that's for another day. Um, but what's what's the, you know, Detroit is known as hockey town. What's it like? What's king there? Ice hockey, roller, hockey ball. Rules. The, the ice hockey definitely. I'm... Yeah, I mean, they're the ones that prevailed. Like, I mean, we've had like NBA championships, but everyone. Like, we're an original six hockey team, so That's everyone, cool. even if the Tigers would go to the World Series, you still have, everyone gets onto the hockey. Yeah. What, what's it, the, and, and as far as youth kids in Detroit, are they big hockey? Huge. huge. It's okay. huge. I mean, there's like, um, uh, Little Caesars is still huge. They have Bell Tire. They have Honey Baked. There's all these different, drink. there's all these rinks now that, and they have kids waiting for waiting lists to get on teams. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think like AAA Junior, I think uh, Detroit, like the greater Detroit area, has uh, four teams uh, in a AAA Junior. Four teams? Yeah. And most cities only have one. <laughs> That's a lot. So, and uh, yeah, that's just like, you know, I mean, probably within like a 25-mile radius of each other. Okay. Excellent. So, yeah, is, so definitely the ice hockey is huge here. I mean, I wish ball hockey would be the same, but mm -hmm. unfortunately, like, ball hockey is 
lagging way behind. And I think it's probably because of uh, such a popularity for ice hockey and the availability of ice hockey here that pretty much is probably like second to none to anywhere else. I mean, maybe in Canada, but in US, definitely the, uh, the ice is the most available and the cheapest here. I mean, probably like in a, you know, again, in the same 25 mile radius, we have more ice arenas than probably any other US municipality in the country. That's amazing. So, you know, we, we, before Danny, before you jumped on, we had talked about ice time. So I, I'm, it's been a little while, but ice time here in Massachusetts, I think is anywhere from 200 to 220 an hour. And, um, sorry, why don't you tell us a little bit about like the floor time out there versus ice time? Because this just blows me away. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, we only have two facilities that are, uh, roller park, uh, floor facilities basically. Uh, and they're pretty much on, uh, you know, opposite sides of the uh, greater Detroit area, one on the east side, one on the west side. Uh, 150 is a discounted rate. The average rate is 200 bucks an hour. For the floor. For oh, the wow. floor, yeah. Uh, the league that I'm playing in, we're playing at a city called Livonia Recreational Center, and they're charging 110, but it's because it's a recreational center, and it's really not, a, not an actual rink. It's just kind of like a makeshift rink where they put in, like, you know, 36-inch boards all the way around, but the corners do not extend about 36 inch. So it's kind of like- Is, is there fencing on these makeshift no boards or just- Basically, uh, imagine like a gym that has two basketball courts, two full-size okay. basketball courts, and then you're gonna build uh, 36 inch boards all the way around it. And, you know, just make, uh, add hockey lines to it, you know, just the goal lines, the crease, and then uh, the face-up dots. And that's about it. And then like uh, one side uh, has a glass wall and then uh, no benches, you just get doors. Uh, yeah. Ironically, one of the teams uh, uses the same door as the scorekeeper. Uh, so it's really, like I said, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, not for meant for, you know, true uh, hockey, you know, competitive rate, but you know, sure. it's the only, it's the only place at this point that, that, you know, that we got because uh, nobody else is, it's, it's just nothing is available and Roller is basically uh, dominating the other two facilities and uh, because of the price too. So that's why it's like 200 bucks an hour. You know, some places even quoted us like $400 an hour. And that's for floor, not ice. Floor, yes, not oh ice. Oh my goodness, that, that's amazing. Ice, uh, the cheapest yeah. ice here, I believe, is uh, one of the arenas, I think it's at Redford. They're like 125 an hour. That's one sheet of ice. Yeah. One sheet. What is the distance between the two, these two floor rinks or whatever you had said? Uh, I would say about uh, it's a 20 minute drive. So 20, not that 30 minute drive. I would say probably about 20 miles, 15 miles. Okay. It's a little more than that. About 20. Yeah, it's 20. So with, with the roller hockey programs, is it, is it high school, youth, adult? How is that set up? No, it's just adult. Uh, it's adult all adult. Yeah, adult recreational. And uh, the other thing is what I'm noticing is uh, these facilities, uh, instead of just renting it and having people run leagues, are having their in-house leagues. So they're getting much more than 200 an hour uh, for the uh, floor doing it that way. Okay, what do you mean by in-house? The, these are adult in-house programs? Adult in-house programs, yeah. So basically the facility is, you know, manages and, you know, operates its own league. Okay. And then they charge per player. So per then player. I was talking to one of the coordinators and uh, the, uh, I think his official position is like the rental manager or rental, uh, you know, um, supervisor. So he said basically when uh, they did the math, when they're running their own league, they're getting upwards of 350 an hour for the uh, rink. Wow, that's amazing. 
And that's after the uh, referee expenses. That's after referees. Okay, wow. All right. So, and then in in comparison of these guys, are these guys traveling to it? Where it's no, it's just in house or like a in house uh, daily league. So you got your Tuesday league, you got your Thursday league, you know, you got your maybe like Monday, Friday league, but uh, they're pretty much uh, playing, uh, I believe, seven, six days a week. They're playing Sunday through Friday. And I think the only day that they're not playing on the evening is a Saturday. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Cause I didn't know when you said in house, if they had like, like in the ball hockey world, we have tournaments that teams will travel to, to say Pittsburgh. I'm Philadelphia. sure they have it too, yeah. but I haven't seen any I haven't here. seen it. Okay. I don't think right. I, I have not heard of any teams from here traveling anywhere and, uh, or, or them staging tournaments here. Uh, ball hockey, like my team traveled to a Chicago tournament a few years. You right did. Okay. Tournament. And then uh, I know a couple of teams traveled to Pittsburgh tournaments. Okay. And then recently, Excellent. I know uh, one of uh, like they basically made like a makeshift team, and they played in Chicago. I think like, a couple of months ago. That's awesome. That, uh, yeah, Chicago tournament. How far is Detroit from Chicago? What's five hours, give or take. Yeah. Oh, it's five hours. Okay, so it's not okay. Yeah, I, I, Pittsburgh's <laughs> the same. Pittsburgh. Well, it's a, you have to cut through. There's a shortcut. Okay. How far is Detroit from Buffalo? Uh, around five and a half, six hours. If you go through Canada, five and a half, six hours. Excellent. Depends on customs. Customs. Okay. All right. If you go through, uh, through the U.S., it's about eight hours. It's about eight hours. Okay. So it's a, it's a haul. Maybe nine, yeah. Okay. And the, the reason why I ask you guys this is because, um, obviously, geography, I'm <laughs> not strong. Um, but we – I got – I. Might have told Lisa this, but basically, Sarge, I was I got a chance to go out to the USA Ball Hockey Future Stars events, which is the the youth players, the U13s and the U15s, and it's Mass Massachusetts, it's New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York, and they take the kids from the state and they they play together and then they go play in this tournament. It's a two day tournament, and it's going back to Buffalo. But um, Steve Gregory, who is one of a, a one of the national players for US, he was helping run this tournament and he goes you know it would be really great to be able to have this tournament someday in Detroit so I didn't know if there was a like a big distance between that that's where my mind was going with all this but um I know I know Detroit is very much a place where um Corey Hursk and everybody wants it to get up and running so it's it's commendable to you to you guys so uh yeah I mean I, I, I'm in contact with um Anthony from NBHL yep yeah Anthony's great yeah yeah, awesome. And uh, so, yeah, we tried to do it, but again, like, you know, for the same uh, problems that ball guy gets in uh, Michigan, we couldn't uh, get the league going this season. Uh, people, uh, for some reason, besides, uh, you know, just the fact that, you know, floor is more expensive or what have you, the perception for ball hockey in uh, Michigan seems to be that it should be like pickup only and it should be like uh, completely free or nominal. So, like, a lot of the players who play ice hockey, uh, they're kind of like, ah, yeah, we just we don't even want to mess with it, you know. There's only very few that actually uh, do. So that's not like an anomaly for Detroit. You would figure with such a rich hockey community and yeah. such a rich hockey history that basically hockey, uh, all different, you know, aspects of it and variations would, you know, thrive. But that's not definitely not the case. We just got like ice and roller, and like I said, ball hockey is just way, way, way below. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, just right across the, uh, you know, the border at Windsor, uh, they have, like, so many leagues that, like, two teams are playing, uh, you know, in uh, the Livonia League just because they're, you know, they don't have any spots with them in uh, the Windsor League because it's just so full. 
So they had, yeah. like their travel time is about like hour and a half because they have to go through the border. Through the border. Yeah. So it makes, yeah, like I said, it makes zero sense. But you know, hopefully once we get the facility going and we build it with the you know Empower Play guys, you know, things will change. Because yeah. uh, already like everybody is telling me like once it's built, they're gonna have uh, tournaments here. Yes. Yeah. So maybe that's gonna kind of like raise interest and kind of make people realize that ball hockey is not just like some kind of a makeshift sport. It's actually gotcha. Sport. Absolutely, absolutely. I've got, I'm going to ask my brother this because I I've had a, I had an experience with ball hockey. My first uh, look at it, but uh, Danny, what was your first take on like when we went to Fitchburg? I mean, do you want to talk about like what being an ice hockey guy yourself? Was there like a I'm not sure how to word this more. It's like, did you feel like it was? It's a you. We know it's a different game, but did you feel like you looked down on the sport at all? Uh, I mean, I would, I wouldn't say that I've ever looked down on the sport. I think it's definitely, a, it's a, I think it's hard to <clears throat> marry the two in a sense with the direction that hockey is going where, you know, when we were growing up, you maybe could get away with playing just inside your season. Like me, I was a multi-sport athlete. I got away with playing football right into hockey season. Nowadays, if you're like super serious playing hockey, it might be even harder to even transition in like even consider ball hockey because you might be playing hockey year round. So I think we have a challenge in general of like 80% of our players are, you know, play ice hockey. So if we have a league that um, crisscrosses at all with their sport, it might actually hurt our numbers. Um, we also have that chance. There is a chance. So <clears throat> there's also that challenge of kind of what Michael had said, where, where you try to keep it inexpensive, pick up your stick, play. It can help the kids who maybe can't afford ice hockey. But then if you're trying to, you know, bridge the two where you have competitive hockey level talent that then wants to also participate in ball hockey, I've always looked at it as a way that it should augment your off-ice training. Sure. Um, and I think that's one way uh, to potentially sell it because – of the uh, the ability for that off ice practice with stick handling and even your endurance really translates well on the on the ice. So that's kind of the the lens I've always looked at it through in terms of um, even though the aspects of the game are a little bit different and even the skill and talent actually almost requires a higher level of skill. You know that I'm almost not used to because I play defense and things like that. So actually being able to um, you know, stick handle through kids and stuff like that. So there's a lot of elements, I would say, to it. I think my experience to kind of get back to your question uh, was more eye-opening because I wasn't even aware of it. it was, I, I never played ice hockey and was like, oh, you play street hockey. It was more like I didn't even know there was a world that existed that you could exactly. play at a high level because um, it's a lot like golf. You can pick it up post your career and play – long into you know and you can it's more sustainable than the grit and grind of, of hockey and stuff so it has a ton of um positives almost with a lot of like not as many cons in terms of um th those kinds of things so that's kind of how i've always looked at it yeah i i mean that's that's from my experience michael what you're sorry what you were saying is is that as an ice hockey player the first time i ever saw um, people playing ball hockey indoor was in Philadelphia. I was in graduate school down there and people have listened to this podcast. You've heard this story probably a million times, but I was playing roller hockey on a Saturday morning. Someone had invited me 
And I literally went out there. I didn't, ha I didn't have my equipment. It was all at home. And I had to, I didn't have a helmet. So I got a huge, I was a pretty small head anyway, but I had to put a towel on my head <laughs> to make the helmet fit. It was, I look ridiculous. And then finally I got my helmet the next day, but like, I think they would call me like turban boy out there. So it's not even really, really but not even appropriate in today's world. Right. So, um, I was out and after we got done, it was a great skate. I had a lot of fun. That was actually my first time playing real roller hockey. And then all of a sudden these, these people show up, it's co-ed and they go out there without any roller blades on and they're out and they're going to run around. And I'm looking and I'm like, what, what exactly is this? And I turned to the guy that had taken me there and he was like, um, yeah, this is, this is, this is ball hockey. And I'm like, so you mean they're going to run this full thing? And he's like, yeah, exactly. And I was like, huh, why would they run it? <laughs> you know, like, it, it, you know, it didn't really, it didn't, it didn't register, but, but, but then as I watched it, I could tell that there were some people that could really stick handle. The speed was pretty, pretty impressive. And so, and then I went through like this, a little bit of a, a conflict. I'm like, is this technically, is this street hockey or do I need to redefine what I look at as street hockey? And this was long before guys, we even had the ideas of putting a rink in. I mean, this was, this was years before the rink. So, but um, I've got a chance to play in indoors and I can tell you it's a, it's a different game. The guys that play this game, the, the women that play these games, they're really good. And, and I, I would never look down. It's, it's an awesome game. And I, I'm a big believer that, you know, for you guys out in Detroit, I, I do believe it's a game that can really work your, your, your skill set of stick handling for sure. I mean, I, I, I grew up playing on our grandparents' backyard and learning how to stick handle. I, I spent so much time doing that. So I'm a huge advocate for ice hockey players, you know, doing that transition. It's also a lot of fun to be, anybody can sort of run and play it. So, um, well, yeah. And I think even one aspect, this is kind of a little nuancy or a little bit, you know, I guess on the techie side or something like that, but like, you know, if you're one of the, one of the advantages that I've seen is if you're trying to like, make your slap shot better or you're trying to make sure that you have good control or you're trying to like really get into the technical side of things sometimes street hockey lends itself as well in different ways to just shooting a puck because if you go the further back you try to shoot the ball you'll actually be able to like really compress the ball and see the curvature yeah sure because, because like and you'll actually be able to see how basically what i'm getting at is how poorly <laughs> like you would be shooting like the puck because you can see how how yeah. bad how much like spin you put on the ball and generate like these horrific shots <laughs> that might not look that bad with a with a with a hockey puck um you know so that i find is something that i'll do even in my driveway it's a fairly long driveway you try to work on long range mm -hmm. shots and it gives you um other feedback that's different for but then helps augment your hockey um you know so Absolutely. It's a much different technique, though, uh, between shooting, uh, like, a first slap shot, between slap shotting a, a puck or slap yeah. shooting a ball. The technique is, like, you know, very different. Um, for the simple reason, because, you know, the ball, obviously, is spherical. Uh, so what I noticed is uh, to have the uh, most uh, velocity on your slap shot with a ball, you really have to turn in your wrist. Where with a puck, you can, uh, you know, like do certain things. I mean, within our practice, you can even like shoot with your heel, you know, make contact with your heel, you know, to give you a certain spin on it or, you know, uh, with the tip or with the middle. With the ball, it's only a certain way. Unless you fully turn in your wrist and pretty much trying to shoot with the three quarters of the front tip, you're not going to get a good shot. So uh, the ball is much more demanding. 
Yeah, one negative to to your point too is like a lot of times kids try to like really flick the ball up and they like, you know, yeah, they, they think that they're getting a really high cool shot and it's like you're actually creating really bad habits when you're trying to like think that you're shooting a high hard slap shot when you're just kind of flink flicking it, you know. Um Yeah, and I mean unless like you got uh, one of those uh you know uh tacky max or like the um the one that's almost like sandpaper uh for your stick with the ball, you're really not gonna uh, have any traction on the ball with your blade. So you have to have those to get some traction on the ball. Otherwise the ball just like pretty much spins off of that like you know without any issue, you know, just like so it's really like you know a detrimental unless you you know really put some kind of a you know one of those two type of things on your blade to keep the ball from uh, you know uh, slipping and kind of at the time of the contact it adds the grip on the ball and it gives you a certain more control and the ability to put the velocity on the ball because with ball is again key is uh, turning your wrist and the velocity. One of the one of the hardest things for me is just actually. You know, in ice hockey, you have a power stride where you you got one hand on the stick and you're pushing the puck in front of you. Just, you know, um, unless, of course, you're cutting, crossing over into the middle or wherever you're going. Um, it is really challenging just for me to be able to figure out a way to just push the ball down the rink. I mean, it's really, it's a new skill for me. Well, for me, the hardest thing was, I mean, I started playing ice hockey, but because, again, when I moved to California, there was like almost no availability for ice hockey <laughs> sure. unless like I was willing to play like at five in the morning or like at, uh, you know, midnight. So that's how I got into ball hockey. My, the biggest uh, thing for me was uh, as a player, when I play out is that to move from point A to point B, you actually have to move the whole time. You have and to You move. cannot just like take two strides and then just glide to point B. You actually literally have to take every step from point A to point B. That, and it, no it, glide. It, you know, it's much more, it requires much more endurance. You got it. No uh, glide. From the goalie perspective, uh, you know, again, same thing. The energy it takes to go for, to slide from one side to the other is probably like tenfold that it would take in ice. Uh, the other thing, with, uh, obviously, when you, know, when you have blades, you can kind of like push off much easier from one side to the other, where we just have shoes, where like sometimes it's a slippery surface, you can't really, you know, uh, push off at the angle. So you kind of have to like plant your other foot like square and then push off. Like the, the angles are like way oh. I can only imagine with goalie. Sorry, I never played it. I, I played it against our own players. Danny yeah. can tell you these stories. I played it, you know, back when we first started our program. But uh, yeah, it's one position I wouldn't want to be in front of. No. Yeah, I like yeah. So tell us guys a little bit about where you guys are in your project. And then Dan and I are probably very interested in just the dimensions of the rink, things like that. But where are you guys right now? So right now we are trying to uh, locate the property. Uh, and then once we locate the property, you know, purchase the property, then we're going to start building the facility. So that's where we're at at this point. We were close on a couple other properties, but, uh, it didn't pan out. So uh, again, like right now, we're actually looking for a property where we can you know, build because everything else is pretty much there and ready to awesome. go. So as soon as we uh, find the property, as soon as we make a deal on the property, we're pretty much ready to go. The facility is going to be a touring facility, uh, but it's going to be like a multi-sport facility. Okay. Uh, you know, um, so basically uh, we're going to be looking at having two rinks uh, with locker rooms, you know, snack shop, the whole thing, pro shop. Uh, and then we're going to have uh, probably like a, 
area for three volleyball courts because volleyball is pretty big here. Is it? Okay. And yeah, it's huge, especially for high school level. And they're looking for facilities to rent out. Like uh, just to give you an idea, Saturdays at uh, one of the roller facilities, uh, they convert their roller ring into three volleyball courts. Wow. Uh -huh. uh, they kind of set it up that way where they have like those, uh, you know, uh, posts they could put in, like, you know, with those uh, almost like, you know, band covers that they yep. take yep. uh, for the volleyball folks. Uh, so they put those in. So, yeah, they convert that. Uh, you know, all Saturday is uh, volleyball, pretty much like all um, uh, weekdays. Uh, they have three volleyball courts and uh, they have a smaller rink that they also convert to volleyball. So just that big ring is for hockey on weekdays, but on Saturday it's volleyball all day. Volleyball all day, interesting, interesting. For 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 my work study job in college, guys, I I was the line judge for volleyball. Oh, that's, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my boy. Uh, based on uh, Empower Play's recommendation, the rings are going to be one sixty by seventy five. So kind of like it's okay for ball and it's okay for roller, kind of like in between. Considering okay. that ball is going to be five on five and roller is going to be four on four. So, you know, uh, four on four, 160, 75 should be okay. 160. Okay. So 160 by 75. This is going to be an indoor facility? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And then, so two rinks can be used for volleyball. You got the works. Do you guys have the design already set up? Uh, roughly, yeah. We have like a rough sketch that's, uh, that's out. Awesome. And is Empower the one that's designing it, or are you guys doing... Uh, I just kind of, like, uh, basically put uh, thoughts on paper. Like, I kind of, like, uh, send them just, like, a basic sketch, like, how I see it should be. And they pretty much, like, you know, took that, and they're going to make it into an actual make rendering with the architecture and everything else. You know, they'll do the they'll do the hard part. I just gave them the idea. Here. Awesome. This is how I want it to be. This is how I see it. This is how it should be, you know, with the locker rooms, being able to interchange between the both uh, rings, you know, and everything else. So, like, kind of just, like, a general. Awesome. So, we're going to have, I think, like, nine locker rooms. That's awesome. Awesome. And and then is Beth the one that sort of set this up with Empower? Is that how? with uh, Yeah, I initially talked to Beth and then uh, Beth set everything up uh, with uh, Kelly and then we started Kelly. talking and then we just, you know, again, been taking the next step, next step, next step. And here we are. Excellent. So Kelly, Kelly's the one from Canada, right? And then there's... There's another one from – there's another person from New York. Is that right? Or am I, I mentioned missing? Kelly's from Canada. I think Kelly was from, from California. California. Was he from California? He was born in Canada, but then he was living in California. But he was in California. California. Okay. But he has something – he was he was in Detroit for some or some, some kind of connection with Detroit, I think. There was another one. Okay. Yeah. Um, Danny, were you on the Empower Play meeting with us? I don't know if you I were there. I was not, no. <clears throat> um, I – Empower came around for us kind of really, really late in our process. Like we had already designed the rink. Uh, we were already fundraising. Um, we had already talked to the municipality. It, they came really late in our process. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't really the right time, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're done, you're done already. You know, yeah. It, it was because I, I feel like I, I, I believe in their vision. I like what they're going to accomplish i think they have great ideas and i personally probably would even do a podcast with them just to share their vision too because you know i think they have the right idea they have, they have some really good ideas i i just um i think it's a great thing for you guys I th I'm, I'm really excited for you and how's how's the fundraising going how are you guys raising capital for this what's that process like 
I'm calling in people for cool. like I've called on a few hospitals, a few um like grocery stores that have the money that they work with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind it's, of tough, like, like I thought of like I even called some automotive, but it's having the flow of the automotive. It's like if they're doing good, they they're generous. But like right now, there's so much uncertainty because what's going on in the industry. And also Empower Play has a pretty huge role in this. I mean, they do. So like their network is vast. So they're gonna have obviously, you know, pull in some uh, fundraising from their donors, their usual donors and all that. And I mean, they have like a lot of relationships even here that I'm kind of like surprised, you know, but uh, they're pretty much solid. So they actually they were able to make some introductions around excellent. That's excellent, great. That, that's great to hear. Uh, considering like Lisa's uh, networking in uh, Detroit, that was kind of like, you know, surprising that they were able to put us in touch with somebody that you didn't know yet. Excellent. How about, and from a standpoint, like Dan and I, Young Legends Street Hockey, or now it's going to be Young Legends Ball Hockey moving forward is, we're a nonprofit organization. So for you guys, do you have an organizational name now? Do you have, is it a for-profit? Is it a non-profit? How does that work? Uh, right now it's a for-profit. It's Michigan Total Sports Initiative. Uh, we already have like a you know, Facebook page. Uh, we're working on the website. Michigan our, uh, Surprisingly, like our Facebook page has over 5,000 followers already. It's excellent. Last time I checked, which was like, kind excellent. of like mind-boggling because we, you know, so that shows there's like some interest definitely to a certain degree. Let's hope it turns into participation. Sure. I mean, that's a, that's a good number of people. Oh, that, well, that's, that's commendable. So uh, what's the name of the program? Michigan Coast? Michigan Total Sports Initiative. Total. Total. Got it. Sorry. I don't know. It's going to be a multi-sports facility. So I figured that would be, you know, the most appropriate name. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, uh, Empower Play is not really like too keen on that. So this is going to be just like a corporate name. Uh, they're going to come up with another DBA, you know, just to make it more marketable. Uh, like the facility is probably going to be called uh, Sark's Palace. Sarks, so, I love it. Nice. Okay. Like to satisfy my ego, I guess. A little <laughs> Good. Yes. Yeah, you should. Uh, I, Danny and I will tell you this always. I mean, not to tell you guys how to do anything. We're not those type of people. Just stick to your vision. Do what, you know, do what, you know, stick to your vision. That's, that's, that's key in this world. Um, so Dan, did you have any qu follow-up questions on that? I didn't. On uh, I don't think so. I, I think that, you know, it sounds, you know, similar to their, to our journey, you know, just further, you know, in, in the earlier stages and stuff. I think that Empower gives you a lot of what we basically did on our own in terms of, um, getting the actual, like we had architectural drawings done, you know, AutoCAD drawings done. We then converted those into like 3D models. We then had official like, you know, construction level drawings done, which was, which allow us to kind of liaise with, you know, the construction people and things like that. So um, if you have a team that can help, you know, facilitate all those things, then, um, you know, that, that, that alleviates a ton of the friction to, um you know, we've just been fortunate to have a lot of help from even like city council and things like that in terms of, oh, go over here, talk to this person. This guy does all the city level property work. And so use this person. Um, so uh, it's definitely, you know, a big process with a lot of moving parts. So any help uh, you can get uh, the better in terms of as, as well as, you know, leaning on on us for any of our questions like like Kyle said, with a vision, uh, that's where somewhere that, you know, he's been very um, passionate about very specific parts of the project or, or very specific parts of the rink, um, all the way down to like 
the color of the rail cap is something I always bring up and stuff like that, you know, very um, intricate details. But I think as now that it's coming to fruition, that's where you say, oh, really, I'm really glad that we took that extra time and had that extra 10 meetings where we decided what, you know, tile to get or what, um, you know, the, I mean, my dad probably is even crazier talking about the diameter, you know, the diameter of the fence posts and things like that. I feel like we discussed literally everything. Um, and when you pour your heart and soul into a project, um, you know, it's, it just makes it that much better once, um, you start to see, you know, uh, everything, you know, going up and stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Um, what will the surface be? Uh, most likely sport court. Sport court? Okay. Yeah. Sport court. I mean, uh, like I said, yeah, I, I've seen like all kinds of different stuff. And I think sport court is probably still the most ideal one. Uh, the key one I'm noticing it is in maintenance. Maintenance. Uh, like, uh, it's almost like, you know, like uh, you have to do a, you know, instead of a Zamboni, you have to do a vacuum or a sweep. Uh, like the facility that we're playing at now, uh, they have, for some reason, they stopped like doing uh, sweeps. So the surface became incredibly slippery. I mean, slippery to the point where it's like, I would be in my goalie stance and my, uh, you know, obviously my shoes would just like not hold the grip. Not hold it, so, wow. So it was just like, yeah. So uh, the, the, that gave me an indicator that for uh, the most important thing is like, we're not gonna have a Zamboni, but to have a good either sweeper or like vacuum cleaner and that you can ride around and just basically, you know, vacuum everything up because that's key, like you can't have any dust because it becomes like so slippery that you know, it would cause serious slips and injuries. I'd love to see a picture of that 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 model. Sounds like a floor yeah. zamboni or something, just to see. Yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, I, I looked at this, they, they're basically just like kind of like vacuum cleaners. It's they are. Kind of like a, it, but it's the size of a lawnmower more than obviously okay. that Is it the one that has like a squeegee, uh, squeegee on the back where it's almost like they use in a, grocery store sorry for lack of a better uh, no uh, it's uh, there's two versions so one is like a vacuum cleaner we're just basically like driving and vacuuming uh the other one it's uh, kind of like uh, it just has like one of those uh kind of sweepers things like you know when you do like the mop sweep yeah yeah wide uh you know uh i don't know what to call it like a, it's a it's a it's an attachment to the mop where it's just like it's wide enough where you just like you know, to collect all the dust yeah, so that one has one of those that you can just keep on going that way. But I think we're gonna go uh, for the vacuum one. Just the know. vacuum one. Yeah. That's cool. There, there's something, Danny, that I never even thought about in a in an indoor rink, right? Never even thought of that. Um, I we you know we had we we demoed a couple of different tiles, and Sport Court was one of them that we looked at, and then we went with a local provider, MS3, which is local to Massachusetts and Lemonster, um, Meta, Metaflex, which I believe is in. It might be in Michigan, but you with an indoor rink, the tiles can be different. You get a little bit, you know, it's it's you don't need to have holes in it like we do outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously, it's cool. But the holes cause another problem. You know, they don't really cause another problem, but they solve the uh, dust problem because everything goes through. They goes through. Good point. Yeah. Fair point. The so same thing, you know. I mean, the, the initial purpose of the holes is for water, so it doesn't hold water, obviously. Yeah. You know, because it's the rink, but it also you know does the same. For the purpose of uh, you know all the dust and all the dirt, everything just goes under, and you know have the slippery. Yeah. Ah man, that sounds so exciting, guys. Really, I'm 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 impressed. I w I'm wishing you well already, and um, you know, if there's any way we can help out, we we will. Um, what well, especially on the especially with multiple rinks, I think that's what's really exciting. Right. I mean, we're in a situation okay. where 
based on where our rink is going, I don't know if like we'd be able to have multiple rinks, but anytime we've gone to tournaments and you have more than one rink um, or even the thinking of hosting a, a tournament, um, having multiple rinks uh, really just creates that really fun atmosphere and environment. Uh, you know, Lemonster has kind of like two, two regular size rinks and then a smaller hundred foot rink, but just the atmosphere of even the younger kids playing alongside with the older kids, it's just a really cool kind of vibe. Um, so that's well, for us, uh, it was more also like, uh, you know, uh, uh, financial and mathematics, basically it uh, doesn't take much more to operate two rings than it does one cost wise. But obviously, having two rings is double the revenue. So it might be increases operational cost by 10%, but it doubles the revenue by 100%. Mm -hmm. That was like the main theory. Because it would be very hard just with one ring to generate enough revenue to cover all the expenses. Even though, like I said, we were getting the arena for free and everything else, and we're probably not going to have rent or mortgage, but still, like, there's utilities, there's payrolls and all that. So when I did the math, it basically made sense to have two rings because the costs are pretty much like, I don't know, maybe an additional 10%, like I said, at most. Yeah. Uh, but most likely it's closer to 5% additional, but, you know, it's double revenue. So it's a no-brainer. But that was like, that was the, the main, uh, you know, decision-making factor for going That's to awesome. And the side effect of it is we can hold tournaments now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is kind of what you guys were talking about with the roller hockey. What do you, would, if, if you guys build this rig, do you feel like there's going to be you might have an influx of roller hockey people coming on saying, hey, can we oh, use for sure. For sure. For okay. sure. Because like the uh, the facilities right now, they have a waiting list of over 100 people. Nice. So there's there's definitely a demand. Just trying to get in. So you figure we take 100 from that and 100 from that, that's 20 teams. Got it. You know, Brilliant. and 20 teams, that's like, that's two leagues at least. <laughs> that's, right awesome. There, that's awesome. You got that, yeah. So. Yeah. So when it comes to the ball hockey then, what what will be your focus? Will it be both youth and adult? What what's sort of the game plan there? So um, definitely youth. I mean, uh, we, we're going to spread it out pretty evenly, but I definitely believe that we should attract as much youth as possible, as much uh, inner city youth as possible, specifically because we're in Detroit. So just to give you an idea, the greater Detroit area is uh, very disproportionate in terms of like wealth and just like, you know, uh, the levels of living and, you know, et cetera. So like Detroit's obviously like, you know, struggling economically and it's in a very bad spot. But the cities around it for the most part are, you know, very well off and thriving. Uh, so uh, clearly like a lot of people in Detroit, the inner city kids cannot afford ice hockey even at such a lower uh, rate. So uh, my idea is to have uh, one of the, you know, maybe the Red Wings or, you know, their foundation to kind of sponsor youth leagues yeah. where we can bring in all the kids that, you know, have zero experience with hockey and otherwise would not have experience with hockey from like, the, you know, specifically from Detroit to participate in hockey for the first time. Maybe they're going to like it. And then maybe, you know, at some point we'll be able to partner up with somebody else where they can provide a similar thing for them to transition to ice hockey later. Awesome. Awesome. And, and are you, I mean, Lisa, this was sort of going to kind of ring in earlier. Have you talked at all to the Red Wings and have they shown any interest in this project or? I, I don't, I've talked to a few of the alumni and they're more into it and they understand it, but they got to wait till it's being developed and built and. Gotcha. 
And the other thing I also noticed, and it just you know, kind of like crossed my mind, one of the reasons maybe why ball hockey is not thriving here as it should be is possibly because a lot of pe more people here can skate than, let's say, in California. So in California, let's say you're growing up, your hockey caught your attention, uh, but you don't know how to skate, but you want to play, ball hockey is right for you. But here it seems like almost everybody knows how to skate. <laughs> Sure. For the most part. It's essential when you're little. Yeah. Well, to to that point, I mean, we're not far off from the situation you guys are in. I mean, Massachusetts is predominantly a, a dominant ice hockey uh, state. Um, where we live, where we grew up, it's primarily ice hockey, like I said. And, and I think one of the challenges is that, you know, our program has been on a basketball court for, for 19 years. And now you're going to be playing in a 160 by 80 foot rink kids are like, oh, man, I have to run that distance. So I think there is going to be, for the ice hockey players specifically, the ones who haven't played in a facility like this, they are going to – they're going to feel a difference. Huge. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. and, and, and um, you know, the more – I mean, my sister – our sister Candace was up the rink the other day, and her comment, she called me, and she goes, that rink is huge. And I'm like, it's it feels huge. But when you spend more time in it, it starts to – not look as big. You, you know what I mean? It doesn't look as big. Have you ever played on a full-size ring uh, ball hockey? The furthest I played was 185 feet, Sarge. That was uh, that was awesome. I had a great one. We played a couple of times. Uh, we traveled to Vancouver for a tournament. Awesome. So we're used to playing, let's say, in California. It was I think it was like 158, 155. And we had, like, you know, several fast guys. Like, you know, we're, like, ridiculously fast, you know, at our level. I mean, we have like some decent guys. A couple of the guys that played uh, in our league played for the LA Blades of the Royal Hockey International. Uh, we had the uh, Hull brothers, uh, Bobby Jr. and Bart Hull, play in our league. So, I mean, the, the awesome. talent level was definitely like high. Yeah. So, they make an all star team when we go to Vancouver. And, uh, like, first play, dump in. Our defenseman, like, starts, uh, you know, chasing the ball. He's barely halfway there. Two of their guys are already there. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. Yeah. And we're just like, what, 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 where did these guys come from? Like, what's going on? I, like, I mean, uh, they were so trained on that full-size ring, and they were so fast. That it was just, like, ridiculous. Yeah. And, I mean, and they wasn't even, like, their best team. So that's just to be like, okay, yeah, we, we really need to, like, improve, you know, <laughs> go back to the drawing board. So the you know it's it's interesting you guys bring up that 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 roller hockey because we've been asked is is there going to be roller hockey allowed on our rink? Uh, so we, we don't own our facility. The city owns it, but like I said, we get priority to the rink and we develop yeah. the programs and organizations. So our organization develops those programs. And roller hockey is one of those things that I really enjoy. It the tile itself has ridges on it to give your your footing a little bit so it's not it's not going to be the greatest rollerblading experience it's just no. it's just not so i i've kind of cautioned the city the city doesn't really want roller hockey because it just adds another level of liability as you guys you guys can imagine so um so i i don't know how to answer that question yet that's sort of an unknown right now but i i do feel like like I said, to me, roller hockey is an awesome sport. It's an awesome game. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And hearing it so big, it, it it's not really that big here in Massachusetts. It's it just it, – it, ice is king. Ice is king here right now. Well, um, I mean, ice is king too. It's just, I mean, you, you know, it's big if you look at it from an aspect of two facilities having 100 people waiting lists. 
But again, there's only 100 people waiting list. Uh, but the, because uh, there is way more ice hockey facilities, that you know, it's just supply and demand. So, but there's still much more ice hockey players than you know than roller. And I guess I think one of the biggest reasons is like that ball hockey is struggling is again because of such a high level uh, ice hockey players that they're just like not interested in ball hockey. That's right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So everybody who has interest in hockey can, you know, skate and is a decent level of a high hockey player. And because the costs are comparable, or in some cases, ice is cheaper. That's yeah. What so, so right now, how many ball hockey programs are there? Are there any for youth, or, or is it just a just one? Is that youth? We've been trying to start one, but uh, hasn't been. So I think like we're going to be the first youth hockey, first youth, youth, youth ball hockey once we. How many adult? Hockey. How many adult programs in Detroit right now? One. Just one. And it's not even like it's a, it's just basically almost like a you know a hobby for uh, one guy. So okay, gotcha. But you know, I am fortunate that he did it. His name is uh, Trang Longmore. He started doing this uh, well, I think in 2017. Before that, he uh, had uh, uh, had a program in another facility that closed down. I think it was like my dad. <clears throat> so and, and like from 2013 to 2017, there was no ball hockey in Michigan at all. Like no organized ball hockey. And they might have been pickup games here and there, but uh, no ball hockey. So it kind of revived it, and it's you know it's been growing. And again, like right now, uh, even over there, there's more demand, but there's just not enough hours. Not enough hours. Okay. And the, did the MBHL make it out to Detroit yet? Did they start a program? Or uh, they had a disastrous first season uh, because they kind of like uh, let uh, players do what they you know player captains do what they wanted to do. Instead of just kind of like, you know, being more hands-on. Yeah. And I, but they didn't know. So they kind of got, they, they didn't realize it was that messed up. Uh, so when this whole thing was happening with NBHL, uh, they asked me to participate, you know, to put in a team. Once I realized what was happening, I said, there was no way. There was like one team that basically uh, had like all the top players. Like they had a former Islander uh, draft goalie, uh, and then Blake Vitala, his brother, uh, a couple of guys who plays in the East Coast Hockey League, a current East Coast Hockey League player. Wow. And yeah, several be... players, right? And then, like, the other – so they went 8-0 with their average uh, win was, like, by five goals. And, I mean, I saw that. And I don't know why the other teams didn't see it, but I think they just wanted to be, you know, we just want to be in the NBHL. We don't care, right? So uh, it was just very disproportionate. They ended up only having three teams. And it got to the point where Anthony, uh, once that team obviously won uh, the regional playoffs, that, and they got to the Milek Cup, he had to bump them to Tier 2. Because he's like, there's no way I can let you guys play in Tier 3. It's not a Tier 3 team. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And they lost in the semifinals. So that was very disastrous. And this time around, uh, Anthony, at the Joey Delgado's recommendation, asked me to run it, and we tried running it. Uh, and there was like, you know, uh, there was a lot of uh, opposition to it uh, because like uh, they did not like the cost, the extra cost associated with NBHL. And uh, basically a lot of teams just, uh, you know, did not want to participate because of that. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's very simple. You guys want to participate in the National League, then there's extra cost. If you don't, then don't. I mean, it's just, you can't like, you cannot try to force the National League to drop its uh, prices just so you want to participate. It doesn't work that way. But again, because of all the kind of like, you know, uh, the bad taste in the mouth from uh, prior year, a lot of players were also weary because, you know, who wants to go and uh, lose every game? Not just lose, but get blown out. Because it was like so disproportionate that it was just like, you know. It wasn't. 
Okay. And the, the other thing is that we still could have made it work if the, you know, that person that, that who had that team uh, would have been able to compromise and say, okay, let's just put up my team or let me give you a couple of players here and there or what have you. What? Uh, instead, he's like, no, you, just, you should recruit. What year was this, by the way? Was this last year or yeah, it was? Okay. Because I don't they have a salary cap or, or don't they have a, uh, don't they have that now? They do, but here is the thing. So they do have a salary cap, but like for tier three, it's very weird. It's different. And uh, like those guys were just like at the border of it. You know what I mean? So like you have a guy who uh, played in East Coast Hockey League five years ago. You had a guy who played in uh, East Coast Hockey League now, which should not be eligible, but he went under the radar. So, like, like I said, that's what I'm saying. Like, if Anthony was more, like, you know, hands-on and kind of, like, monitoring the rosters, like, okay, wait a minute, who is this guy? Who is this guy? <laughs> sure. Uh, but they had, they literally had, like, three players. So, the goalie, then uh, the guy who, played the, who signed an East Coast Hockey League contract, and another guy who played at East Coast, East Coast, like, three years ago. So, those three are definitely not eligible to play in Tier 3. And, like I said, had the league been, like, more hands-on, you know, that would have been, uh, you know, probably prevented and you know it would be more uh you know uh, pairing and that we'll uh, uh, danny and i uh danny and i are uh playing we were asked to put a team in over here in boston so nhl nh nbhl boston tier three starts next month in april uh, we have one preseason there's some scheduling conflict so i actually have to send this out to you dan but um what i've noticed is matt strybeck who is our director um, he's on the ball. Like he has to keep me in line too, because he knows I have so many things going on that he's like, you know, he needs my team's information. He's very good about making sure, uh, that I'm on top of things, which sometimes I'm not, um, just cause there's so much going on. But what I notice is that uh, people might complain about the price, but these guys work really hard to make it successful from, oh, no doubt. from the, um, from the standing statistics to the, the visual effects that they have. They, they put a, those guys put a lot of time in. So I have nothing but respect for them. The great Anthony has been on the Anthony's been on the podcast. Great guy. We, we've had wonderful conversations and, uh, Danny and I met him at the outdoor classic out in Pittsburgh, mass. And, um, it, it's like I said, I think you guys got a great opportunity. Of course, there's all hurdles. I mean, I'm looking at like okay, so with all the extra costs and fees, right. uh, it was uh, going to be about two fifty per player, and I, between two thirty and two fifty, depending on how many players they were going to have per team, it was going to be two fifty. So I mean, two fifty for one season of NBHL hockey is, I mean, it's really not a lot. I mean, it's either you can afford it or you cannot. So I don't think there's like anybody that falls into well, I can afford one fifty, but I can't afford two fifty. I mean, it's either yes or no. So it was more like, you know, it wasn't that it was, out, uh, you know, priced out. It was more just people's preference. Like, oh, I'm not going to pay that because I shouldn't have to pay that. That kind of a thing. Which yeah. kind of like made me upset, you know. And, yeah. you know, that, we need to change that mindset in Detroit about ball hockey. And that's that's the, the biggest challenge. That once we change that and once we have people understand that it's a recreational sport, it's a separate recreational sport. You know, and it's, uh, you know, like every other recreational sport, you know, there are costs and you know, <laughs> pay them. Yeah. I play yeah, in the community, too. Yeah. I yeah. promote it out into the community. Absolutely. Get it, you know, to the public. public needs to know about it. Just not in the city the, the um, rink will be in, but all around it, too. Oh, wow. Absolutely. It's also pretty unique because it's like basically we have like Detroit. 
And then we have about uh, 60 other small cities all the way around it, which make up the greater Detroit area. So it's almost like every two square miles is a different municipality with different rules and, you know, a different identity, so to speak. Yeah. I, I can't speak to this guy because I don't know the rule that well, and I don't know if it's in exists anymore. But um, Lemonster, Mass, where, you know, a lot of people say that deck hockey was started through Ray, Ray Leclerc of Milik. Um, there's Lemonster and then there's Fitchburg. They're literally – they're, they're – <laughs> They're touching. They're they're they border each other. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, by the way. I don't know. No. Okay. So long story short, though, their programs are separate except for their cadet program, their older kids. But they get, you know, 250, 500 kids every fall, uh, every fall and spring. They have a, a large number. But it's crazy because there's six rinks in like a 10-mile radius. Yeah. But years ago, I believe there was this radius rule, kind of like the old Montreal Canadiens had, where if you where they had these travel ball deck hockey teams, you know, if you live in that radius, you played for Lemonster or things like this. Oh, okay. So, does that make sense? So for yeah. us, for us in Gloucester, there's, there isn't any, um, there is no ball. There isn't a ball hockey rink close to us with maybe 20 miles, maybe. And by ball hockey rink, I mean like hockey town that Danny mentioned over, which is that double rink, literally concrete walls as boards. And then up above it is, is a, is a roller, roller slash street hockey rink. And so for us, what we've been trying to get, you know, our mindset of our board of directors is like, we want to grow our program, not just to our own community, but to the neighboring towns as well, you know, cause that would make you get more numbers, more kids getting into the game. So I think that's a great model. I, I think it's exciting for you guys. I love the idea. And I've talked about this offline a lot about potentially someday creating a, indoor facility uh we've talked about doing it closer between the two we live kind of far from you know what i mean by the so, way i have a question for you guys so yeah. how uh, how many days you guys think you're going to be operating with the outdoor facility because your weather is similar to our weather that's why like i said when we initially was pitching this out as an outdoor i said there's no way it's going to fly yeah. in michigan and i know absolutely there's no way that people would pay to play an outdoor facility <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Uh, that's a great question. I mean, for us, our pro so in Massachusetts right now, they fall in the ball hockey schedule, which is uh, April, about April 15th, sometime around that. Um, we're going to be opening up around April 22nd. That's when our rink's opening, um, or the city's rink, and then all through the summer and then in the fall. Uh, it's getting milder here in Massachusetts. It's it's It doesn't, like, I put up a backyard rink this year. You know, Danny put one up last year. We might get a week worth of skating. So you could play into December. And even Lemonster, I think they have a program, a men's league that plays in January and in February. And I, <laughs> I, also, I don't know if you, you, you know, you feel. So as a goalie, my biggest concern would be, is there like an enclosed heated changing room? <laughs> uh, the answer is uh, at those facilities there might be, <laughs> but not 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 us yet. But good, yeah, that's, that's, that was that was because I guess a player you can just put a pullover on top or something and just jacket it. Never ball. even thought of that, my friend. It's a goalie when you're taking that. Yeah, there's you can't Never avoid taking the stuff off. So I awesome. just can imagine like you know just like a forty degree weather and you know you take your shirt off. Ouch! Yeah, that's like very <laughs> unpleasant. <laughs> I never would have thought of that. So, well, uh, <laughs> exactly. That's a wonderful point. Uh, great point. So, so that I hope that answers your question. Is I think it, it's probably going to be shut down more for January through March and then open up because so those are really the coldest weather months we have. Although right now, I mean, it was 32 degrees this morning. I had ice on the backyard rink that I'm taking down soon. So, this morning when I left my house, but um, 
How about how about women? What's the what's the goal for women and, and girls in Detroit? Is that a is that a market that you guys are trying to get? I think you know, to be honest with you, I think there's probably like a bigger market. Uh, uh, well, be like a percentage wise, a bigger interest by women uh, to play ball hockey for various reasons. Uh, there was like a small co-ed league I ran, uh, and uh, before that, there was a, a guy named Tom Pickett. Uh, he moved back to Massachusetts. Leagues that were near Boston area. Uh, so he was like a college player, you know, and then basically moved here, he got a job with the, the big three, and then uh, he just, you know, hockey was his hobby. So he did like a recreational league on a smaller rink, it was like an 85 foot uh, long ring. It was three on three, it was co-ed. And, uh, you know, it was a lot, a, lot, a lot of women, different levels, you know. I wouldn't say that anybody could, you know, come up with like, you know, to be a, a you know, considered to be skillful, but there was definitely like, you know, that could hang, I played in that. hang with their own. So uh, I think, yeah, definitely there's, there's definitely room for uh, either women's league or a co-ed league, uh, for sure. Only reason I don't like co-ed is because, like, you know, once you start getting into the rules where, like, oh, uh, you know, it has to be, like, at least one woman on the ice at all times and all that, it kind of becomes, like, very hard to monitor that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I prefer it to be, like, you know, uh, men's league, women's league, or, you know, co-ed league, but without the restrictions on the co-ed league, like, you know, specifically, like, you know, you have a person on your team, you know, she plays whenever she plays. And, you know, that's because it's very hard to monitor. That's, that's the only reason. Uh, like the last Thursday league I played in, there, there had a couple of teams that had uh, women on it. One woman had like an amazing slap shot. I mean, I was just like surprised when the first time it was just woof. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you just see the guy, like, you know, perception. You think, okay, it's a girl. She's going to, she's not going to shoot hard. So you're kind of like, so you're kind of like, you know, <laughs> you're like, you're not as ready. And then, like, next thing I mean, that thing, she just zinged it. Like, you're lucky you haven't played against me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this, like, I've seen your before. I would have anticipated her much harder. I haven't seen a slap chat from a girl before that was that hard. That's Boy. why it's surprising. And that's not going to happen next time. Now, every time now you know. Job, I'm going to be like, okay, I might be one of those. Give me my stick ready. <laughs> so, timeline. What are you guys? What's the goal? When do you want to open this? Uh, we want to open it as soon as possible. But realistic okay. timeline is as soon as we uh, close in on the property and uh, close on the property. Uh, Kelly said about uh, eight weeks. Eight weeks. Oh, that's a quick turnaround. Eight weeks, Dan. He says that, so like that I'm going to give him ten weeks. You know, I'm going to give him twelve weeks. But so basically, let's just say twelve weeks. From the time we close on the property, and we can close on the property any day. So okay. hopefully, we're going to close sooner than later. And uh, at that point, you know, ready to go. What's the? You don't have to answer this because this is a is a cast. But what's the total budget you guys are looking at? You know, uh, basically based on current uh, projections, it's about eight hundred thousand. Eight hundred thousand, not including the not including the property. Not including the property. But I anticipate it's probably going to be close to a million. Million. That, that's how it always is, from my experience. Whenever you, you know, there. set something up, you you put figures together, then something else comes up. Inflation, you know, what have you? You know, supply and demand chain. You know, uh, contractor issues. Uh, something here, something there. You always add twenty percent. So you got it. Close to a million. Yeah. You got it. We did. We had that issue too. COVID. Everybody does. Yeah. So have you okay. already? How so? Have you already paid for the boards and the tile and stuff like that in order for that to be ready? Because we had like a 
three, what was it like a three or four month lead time while they uh, built no, uh, so basically, I, I'm not sure how Empower Play does it because that's what they do. That's the, the, the ring uh, building is their speciality, and that's what they do. So, I do not know exactly how they do it. Do they have it in stock already, or did you say like a fast track to the suppliers or what have you? So why you know they say it's going to be so fast, but uh, the main the ring building part is basically their speciality. So uh, I guess you know that's that's what they do. Yeah, I mean that's that's an incredible project with I mean bathrooms, all that good stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, my understanding is obviously like the the building part they're gonna you know hire somebody out, we're probably gonna assist them with finding local uh, you know contractors here to build the facility. But I think as far as the ring itself, it's like they already have that basically like that in the down. They have it down. Yeah, like you know, bam. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know who they who they're who they're contracting with. Um, yeah, me too. But like, you know, they seem like very confident that they can like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. You guys, like Danny said, like it's great that you guys have that team. So, um, here's another question. Financially, I mean, how much money? How much money you have to raise and go from there? Well, I mean, obviously, we have to raise the whole million uh, or you know, eight hundred thousand, uh, and then like the for the property, I'm gonna be putting up my own money to purchase the you land. Purchase it. Yeah, because we tried to go the other route. We tried to go through the cities, like where we could sign like a multi-year, uh, you know, yeah. uh, lease, just like a, you know. Uh, and then we actually, uh, for, uh, we had a you know, deal going on uh, because we talked to the business administration uh, person from the city and she was like all for it. She's like, yeah, this is great. We're going to go. So she's like, no, next meeting is going to be with Parkinson Recreations. And we're going to finalize it there, right? So we have a meeting with Parks and Recreation. They're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. You know, like, I'm, I just like, I'm, you know, we're not even going to pursue it. If it's like, if it's dead, you know, disrupted, then, uh, you know, just, there's no point. Gotcha. And it, it seems they also were kind of like against it. They were like, well, we already have an ice ring. I'm like, this is not an ice ring. Uh, but yeah, well, we have an ice ring. We have an ice <laughs> I'm like, this is not an ice ring. This is completely different. And then they're like, well, what if you die? Who's going to take over? Yeah, yeah. Yep, like, well, you know, I'm like, it's, you know, I have a company. There's people who are going to be running the company. There's going to be managers. I'm not going to be running this facility, like, you know, day in and day out. <laughs> like an issue, right? But it was like a kind of like a funny not question. But their concern was that they did not want to take over the facility. So, gotcha. and like I said, you know, I, every vibe that I got from that meeting was that they just don't want to do it. They don't want to even engage in it. So I'm like, you know what? There's no point in pursuing it. Smart play, smart play, yeah. Um, and I, I lost my question. Dan, did you have any follow-ups to that? Because I, I lost the question I had, sorry. I mean, you guys well, are I very think... fortunate uh, to one degree that the city was working with you, you know, every step of the way. Uh, here, like on every project I had, the city, instead of just trying to work with you, it always seems like they're trying to work against you. Mm. <laughs> so the, and that, that's definitely one of the issues here too, I think. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I think fortunately we kind of had like the years of commitment you know, built up basically with the league operating so consistently for so many years on a public basketball court with basically just like a permit, you know, the, the city knew our organization and they knew, you know, these guys are always around. And then I think they said, okay, if you guys, um, they kind of just gave us the freedom to do whatever we want in terms of building what we thought we needed and raising the money. And they basically were kind of giving us the land in order for us to then basically gift, gift everything back to them. And then we kind of have a shared model of us running it, but it's a public 
um, facility for people to use it whenever we're not using it and stuff. So it's definitely, there's some challenges in the running of it or making sure that there's some exclusivity for us, but also having it be available for, you know, parents and their kids or people to just go up and use it if we're not using it. So um, kind of definitely pros and cons, I would say with like every model, um, but we definitely, you know, can't think the city enough in terms of the freedom they gave us. I think that was the biggest Hail Mary shot for me was like, why would they let us do this even if we wanted to attempt it? Um, but I think they looked at us and this is a 20, 30 year old basketball court. We're not really interested in, 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 in fixing it up or putting the money for it. So we kind of had a little bit more free reign then we realized for that reason, because it was just another capital expense probably for them to redo the basketball court. And there was some friction, I would say, from the, you know, that was the biggest question is like, you're removing a basketball court. We actually did a large analysis in terms of how many basketball courts there are in the city. Is this one used? We had consulted like the the high school basketball coach and um, or former players about, you know, it's not a very good place that's conducive to basketball and things like that. So there was a lot of groundwork to wow. figure out, like, you know, because we had the friction was, should it be a multi-purpose facility, you know, and, and there's a place in Salem, Massachusetts, that's basically doesn't have fencing, has basketball hoops, and then has like the rink around it. But almost nobody utilizes it because it's too much of a hybrid. Like it's not one, yeah. it's not enough of yeah, one thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So that's why we decided to go full force into one with the opportunity that like you could use it for some, for off ice training or even like lacrosse or soccer or something. So we're open to a lot of possibilities, but at least for our vision, we wanted it to focus on hockey because even that basketball model you mentioned, like, can be difficult the the bruins helped donate money to a town that i live near franklin massachusetts and they basically put hockey boards around two basketball courts but then you've got the weird you, i think they're if i remember correctly it's only basketball courts that are painted and so and like obviously the size is awkward it's like 100 by like 130 feet so well, how do they deal with the hoop well, ball. so the whole thing is like fenced in, and then they have the hoops on the inside of the fence, basically. Um, so it's very yeah, strange. The it's get away with this in Livonia is because the hoops, so the, the ring goes, you know, north and south, and the hoops are east and west, and yeah. they're like basically attached to the wall, so they can come down and they can retract. I mean, if they were down, it would be like too low for you know, you couldn't even you know, probably like they would interfere, so they just raise them, you know. Uh, uh, to the sides, like so they say flat to the walls, about you know what, like fourteen feet up high. Uh, so that's the only way they can get away with it. Something like if you have a pole. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why they're like a fixed, almost like a fixed like, you know, to the fence on the opposite ends, and then you can go the other direction. But it's it's yeah, yeah. I mean it's a strange experience. But if you if you but it's also like a way to grow the game. That town has a pretty good you know floor hockey, street hockey, uh, you know YMCA kind of vibe where like they have an area that's enclosed that's playable. So they like to kind of grow the game, whether it's a regulation size rink. So I think whatever works for what town and if they get the money from the Bruins, it it, it is a good thing. It's just that wasn't the model we wanted. We wanted um, a full rink that even though it seems like it's catered to adults, you know, we still cater to the youth uh, in terms of our program um, first and foremost. 
Yeah, so yeah, sorry, Joe. Out here in Massachusetts, it's very, very interesting because you have like the traditional ball hockey people where you have, you know, legitimately there's Lemonster, Fitchburg, South Coast ball hockey, which is down by going towards the Cape. Um, and then now you're gonna have us, but you you see different variations of the game, like for example, Weymouth. I've reached out to Weymouth, they never ever responded to, to me. So and that's okay. They don't need to. Um, they're running their they're running their program and and that's how it goes. So um, it, it is It is what it is, right? So so I guess my last question for you is, where do you guys see your program in the next five years? Well, I mean, hopefully uh, we're going to expand. I mean, uh, it's very hard to say where, but ideally what I would want to uh, see is, uh, you know, uh, basically having ball hockey at least three, four nights a week. Uh, you know, maybe having uh, roller hockey, the rest, uh, you know, having the facility basically full, you know, uh, from, let's say, uh, 7 p.m. till uh, midnight. And, you know, uh, hopefully having a thriving youth program that's going to be uh, sponsored by, you know, Red Wings or one of the other bigger companies here. That actually is going to be like, you know, uh, really uh, functional youth programs where it's just going to be constantly like getting new kids in and kids are going to basically enjoy it play it and then hopefully they're going to, you know, uh, move on to ice hockey, roller hockey, you know, whatever, or just, you know, become uh, good ball hockey players and stay playing ball hockey. That's even better. Because we're not going to have a shortage of ball hockey, you know, in the near future or, you know, far future. So, yeah, that's the goal. And actually, I think, you know, that what needs to be done because to have a successful uh, ball hockey adult program, you need to have a base uh that was like a, you know a youth program uh like most of the guys that are still playing ball hockey you know when i'm playing it uh started uh like uh 20 30 years ago as 50 60 year old kids and uh they're they're still playing now like i said i think the average age for this league is about 45 that's what it feels like i mean we got the like, guys who are 68 uh, 62 64 who are still playing awesome that's really that's really cool so what's the best way to get in touch with you guys if people are interested, you know, in the Detroit area or even around the country? What's the best uh, way? Best way, reach out through our uh, Facebook page, Michigan Total Sports Initiative. Or you can get a hold of me, too. Or you can get a hold of Lisa. And go to the loop. Sorry. Awesome. Yeah, Lisa. Yeah, feel free anytime, you know, I'm available. Well, he's not talking about, he's talking about people in general. I mean, you know. So, uh, yeah, I would say, like, you know, uh, the best way would be the site uh, for people who are interested. We respond to all the messages, you know, fairly quickly. I do for the most part. And or they can uh, get a hold of Lisa directly, you know, at uh, her Facebook. And, uh, you know, it should go from there. And you guys have a Facebook page? You have Instagram? Yeah. Instagram, too? Okay. I'm not uh, sure we have Instagram. We have, I know we have Facebook page. Facebook, though? Sure. All right. I'm going to have to. I'll, I'm... Instagram, but I think we're going to go with Instagram. It's just, you know, we're, we're still, like. In such a you know early stages that like you know we're still of getting course. stuff worked out yeah that's okay you know, we're here to support you as much as possible even if it's just you know <laughs> what's it called moral support is you know yeah. Uh, yeah. but um and your brain that's too. right that's right that's right this is uh, you know like you said you guys doing a great job um wish you the best with all this I I did have one last question of course with empower so once the rink is done and the facility is done. Do they just go away, or is this yeah. a partnership with? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. It's uh, basically, yeah. They just kind of once they do it, they let you run it, and they they just go away. Off they go. It's not like a notch in their, you know, in their belt, basically. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I see where you're going there. Okay, all right, <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Well, well yeah, like, um, I mean, for them to, you know, kind of the more they have developed, I guess, the more it serves them in better uh, in getting better reception at different absolutely. communities. Uh, like for instance, you know, with the with the city that I said we had conversations with. I mean, uh, Kelly said like, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We got this and that, and uh, you know, they kind of like, you know, I guess, uh, opened them up just a little bit, but not enough where I think we should have continued anyway. Gotcha. Well, well, well done, guys. Really, this is great stuff. And like I said, I know the ball hockey world is. Uh, from, you know, high ups of Corey Hurst to Steve Gregory, there's, uh, you know, a hope that it's going to take off there. So, you know, uh, we wish you the best. Dan, I don't know if you had any last minute questions here. Is... No, I'm good. Yeah, I think that this was a lot of fun. It's always good to hear about more rinks being built. And, you know, we'd love to come out when, it, you know, at oh. some point when it's done, it would be cool to see, oh, you know, you know. Definitely, uh, I, I, a Wings game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the Bruins. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. The Bruins are in town. What's the Detroit? What's it? Is it still Joe Lewis? Is that what it is out there? No, Little Caesars. Little Caesars. Now, see, there it is again. Yeah. Just to give you guys an idea, I go to uh, the Red Wings game only once a year. When they play the <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> and I, I go to several. Several. Good. <laughs> that's, like, that's, my, that's my one and only uh, Red Wings game. That's the one. <laughs> Um, again, Little Caesars comes up. My parents, our parents love Little Caesars. Is that <laughs> in Maine? Is it in Maine that they go to? Yeah, on the way. The, I'm on the right place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they love it. There's that we. My parents have a place up in Maine on a lake, and uh, every time they go there, they go up on a Friday Friday evening. What do they go? They go to Little Caesars Pizza in Scarborough, Maine, or Portland, Maine, and you know, I'm not a. I shouldn't say this to all Detroit people. I'm not a big fan of it, uh, of that one specifically. It could be much better if I was in Detroit. So I don't want to, you know, this is a franchise model. But uh, Well, Carl's really picky about the <laughs> pizza. There's, anyway. other, there's other pizza places. Well, my there. opinion of uh, Little Caesars is like it's uh, basically McDonald's of pizzas. Oh, okay, there you go. Okay, all right. So, yeah. I'll take you to we'll take you I, I think place. it's the only place where you can go and get a whole pizza that's already ready, made in a hot box without actually waiting for a pizza. So I don't think any other place does that. You say, oh, what do we have made? Oh, we have pepperoni. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> Dan, maybe we could do a pizza review in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, a little bar like stool. They, like Barstool does, yeah. but not taking their idea. Um, yeah, we, we'd love to get out there at some point. Um, so thank you. Sorry, it's great chatting you. I'm, you know, I'm. It's great to meet you guys, Lisa. It's, you know, you have my number. We call me anytime. Um, we wish you the best. Really, great stuff. Really, and thanks for joining us today. Um, so, Danny, to wrap up, we got a busy couple of weeks coming up, but uh, I think we've got uh, NBHL Boston coming on with uh, Norton, Dave Norton, and uh, Matt Strybeck coming on next. So, we're going to do a preview of our league that we're going to be playing. So. I don't know how you feel about that. You excited? You ready? Uh, am I ready for what the podcast or the league or both? I guess let's say both. <laughs> uh, uh, how I feel about uh, it. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm ready. You know, in the in the ball hockey mindset just yet. You know, anytime we've gotten those touches of of, of warmer weather around here, you know, because it'll snow one day, it'll be sixty the next day. So exactly. you know, we got when it was really nice before this nor'easter, which didn't even hit me, but I think you know hit you a little bit more. It did. Um, you know, we before that we we had the you know the the net out front and you know actually we put a um, a net out of the driveway and there was a bunch of kids playing over me and Ty were, were were shooting around a little bit he likes to shoot at the street you know as opposed to the net 
Um, but then later on, after we were all wrapped up, there was uh, a mother came to pick up two of the girls. She drove right over the <laughs> right over the net. Oh man, it's not That's... the hockey net, but the one that's kind oh. of visible because it's okay. at, the, at the end of the driveway. So um, fortunately, it just you know it's only tie wrapped on one side, so I was able to. What uh, net is that? The, so the it's violin? real. I don't know if you've ever even seen it, but it's connected to my vinyl fence. And then it's like 20, uh, it's a 25 foot retractable fence. And so it just pulls out uh, I didn't know that. right into a tube in the ground. It's amazing. It. It's worth every penny because the kids can do, um, you know, their scooters or their big wheel bikes, or we play hockey and Tyler doesn't just hit it straight into the street or whatever. Um, but it is like very like see-through. It's almost like that deer netting. Oh, goodness. <laughs> a yeah. little bit better quality. Um, but then when you you pick it up and it retracts right to the other side, but basically when she ran it over, it just pulled the pulled it off of the fence. So fortunately, nothing really broke. I just have to redo the tie wraps. So that's what he likes shooting into. For some reason, yeah, okay. he he likes to like stop it from going in the net, turn around and fire it that way. <laughs> um, He's a character. He's a but character. yeah, essentially, um, once we kind of get more into the swing, because I feel like it takes a few weeks to kind of get your stick handling back, things like that. I mean, I focus so much on the on the kids during the winter with skating and stuff that I haven't done a ton. And in terms of the podcast, yeah, I'm excited for that because uh, we'll get. Uh, more familiar with the other teams involved yeah, yeah. um yeah. and basically the game plan and, and things like that so um, yeah i was i was thinking maybe even inviting jose or steve on that see if they want to come on too just to get a yeah. little get get their side of it but with permission of course from uh uh matt and and dave as well so um uh, I'm look. I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot to do because we all have to get USA ball hockey reg registrations and things like that. So there's there's things that I need to get out to you guys to do, but um, that'll be next time. So again, thank you to 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 Sarge and and Lisa. Wonderful time today learning about Detroit. I wish them the best. And until next time, we'll see you later on the Street Hockey Life. And uh, I'll talk to you later, Dan. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Right here. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.